Good morning again. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and open up to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Continuing to make our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Several years ago, probably 10 to 12 years ago, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but uh, uh, there was a period of time where uh, both my wife and I were in real estate and made a pretty good living in real estate. And uh, that worked out pretty well until about 2008. It just stopped working altogether. Got the rug jerked out from under both of us and had kind of some lean lean years uh, after that rug got jerked out from us. And um, <clears throat> there was a period in that time when we were able to get away to Portland for a couple of nights, take the family uh, on a getaway. And so we went up to Portland. I had a friend who uh, had uh, just planted a church up in Portland, and so we wanted to go uh, to their midweek service while we were up there. And, and so we went to church on this Wednesday night, and uh, just a, an incredible sermon uh, out of uh, 1 Corinthians 13 about love and, and, and what it is to love people and uh, just what it looks like from a biblical perspective. And uh, good service. And, and after church, um, the family wanted to go uh, downtown to uh, kind of the craze at the time, Voodoo Donuts. Still kind of a big thing in Portland. And it didn't occur to me until we were driving there that, um, oh, wait, like we're going downtown Portland after dark. Um, if I would have thought about that beforehand, I, I maybe would have rethunk it. But as we're driving across the Burnside Bridge, I'm realizing like, oh, this, like, this isn't good. <laughs> but we're here, so you know, let's, let's get our donuts and we'll just go back to the hotel and uh, eat our donuts there. And so we got lucky and got a parking spot right across the street. And uh, I didn't have one foot out of the car and this homeless guy comes up to me. He's like, hey man, you got any money? And my first thought was, I got to get rid of this guy. Like, what can I do to make this guy go away? And then my second thought was, well, I just came from church where we just talked about love. Um, and so kind of begrudgingly, it's like, ah, maybe I should talk to this guy. And so uh, I just asked him, hey, what's your name? And he said, well, my name's Andrew. And uh, I still still remember him very vividly uh, these years later. And, and we got out of the car, and, and here we are, you know, with the family. Our kids are pretty little at this time, and we're downtown Portland in the dark talking to this homeless guy. Um, and I just began to ask him questions. You know, what, what do you, like, how do you normally get money? What do you do? And he talked about, he, like, he has a place where he can go for day labor a couple days a week and um, makes some money and gets a hotel room once a week so he can take a shower, just starts kind of unpacking his story. And uh, he has a backpack, and he takes his backpack off, and he, and he pulls this book out of his backpack. It's a Bible. And he says, someone gave me this book earlier today. So like, you wouldn't happen to know anything about this book, would you? And I said, well, yeah, I know a thing or two about that book. And earlier in the day, um, I was just meditating on Scripture, uh, and it was our passage today in Matthew chapter 6. And it just it was fresh on my mind. And, and so I said, can I, can I see that for a second? Can I share something with you? Uh, and he said, sure, and he gave me this book, and I opened up to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, and I began to read to Andrew, and this is, this is what it says. It says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you of not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you 
Even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And as I'm reading this to Andrew, thinking that, that maybe God is speaking to Andrew, um, I teared up. And I'm not a crier. I'm like Pastor Brent. I'm not a crier. And, and I teared up to the point where like, I'm having trouble reading because just so much, you know, the waterworks are happening and I can barely get through this. I get to like where I can barely even speak as I'm reading this to this homeless man. And in that moment, God was speaking to me. I don't know if he was speaking to Andrew, but God was speaking to me just in our difficulty and in our kind of lean stretch of, of years, uh, reminding me of uh, a truth that I could articulate to you, reminding me in a passage that I have read over and over and over throughout my life. But in that moment, um, God put in me a belief that I didn't have before that moment. And it was a really special moment that night. And we ended up, you know, just so you know how the story ended, we ended up inviting Andrew to join us for donuts, and we sat down at a picnic table and had donuts with this guy and, you know, fed him and got to hear about more of his story and sent him on his way. But, you know, we came away from that. Like, again, I don't, I don't know what God said to that guy that day, but, but God spoke to me uh, in, that, in the passage. I was kind of excited to get to, to preach this passage today uh, just because it's just something that has, uh, you know, since that moment, you know, 10 to 12 years ago, whenever it was, that uh, I just have not forgotten. Uh, because God did a thing uh, in us that night, reminding us of his faithfulness in our lives, reminding us in our lean time that, that he is our provider. And at the same time, giving some perspective. Like in that moment, I didn't feel like we had a whole lot, but, but we had more than this homeless guy, right? And it was just a healthy dose of perspective, um, you know, in, in the moment. And so God, God was good to us uh, in that. And a question that's been kind of flooding through my mind this week, and, and, and we as the pastors have been talking uh, about this particular question just with some different things that are going on in people's lives, difficulties that we're aware of and walking through uh, with people. We, we've been asking the question lately, like, do, do we really believe our theology? And, and I think that's kind of at the heart of our text today is this question, do we really believe our theology? Do we really believe what we think we believe to be true? Right? We can read a passage like today and we can be encouraged by it, but at the end of the day, we have to ask the question, do we, do we really believe what we think we believe? Is it an intellectual belief, or is that belief kind of made the, the journey from head to heart where, where we know it and we trust it to be true and we have faith that it's true? And so as we go through our passage today, I want you to consider for yourself, do you really believe what you say you believe? <laughs> do you really believe what you think you believe? Jesus starts off this passage with the word, therefore. It says, therefore, I tell you not to be anxious about your life. And anytime in the Bible we see the word, therefore, we have to pay attention to what comes before that statement. In other words, when the Bible says, therefore, when Jesus says, therefore, he's meaning in light of what I just said, here's a truth for you. And last week, uh, Pastor Glenn was here, one of our missionaries that we support, and he um, shared with us from the previous passage about laying up treasures in heaven and, and what that is. 
we can, we can store up treasures that are temporal or we can store up treasures that are eternal. And when we store up treasures that are temporal, the temporal is going to go away, right? Everything in this world, like it's temporal. There's an expiration date on everything that you see when you look around. And we can invest in things that have an expiration date or we can invest in the things that don't have an expiration date. That's what I mean when I talk about the difference between the temporal and the eternal. And the previous passage tells us that the way that we know what we're investing is, is the direction that our heart is aimed. Your heart can be aimed at the temporal or your heart can be aimed at the eternal. And wherever your heart is aimed, the Bible tells us that's, that's how you know what your treasure is. Where your treasure is, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also, we read last week. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves constantly is, what, what is it that I treasure? And if you don't know this about yourself, at least I'll say this is true of me, I'm assuming it's true for you, but I know it's true for me. What, what I treasure, it can change from moment to moment. It can change from circumstance to circumstance. And so I'm always having to evaluate and ask myself, like, which direction is my heart pointed? Horizontally or vertically? The temporal or the eternal? We're reminded in the previous passage that the things of this world won't last and the things of the, light of the world to come will never fade. And so where is it that we're investing in the temporal or the eternal? And one indicator of where we might be invested, according to our passage today, is our anxiousness. If then your heart is aimed at heaven, the Bible would tell us that we'll see today is that there's no need to be anxious about our life. And I stand up here saying that, understanding it from a, from a logical practical perspective but also knowing that it's not quite as simple as just saying don't be anxious it's not quite as simple as that this passage talks uh gives examples about what we wear and and what we eat and i just just for my own curiosity uh did a little bit of research and found out the fashion and the food industries do you know how much money they bring in globally on an annual basis fashion industry is a $3 trillion industry globally. It wasn't that long ago when like, we, didn't, we, we didn't talk about trillions when it came to money. Right? That's a relatively new phenomenon that, that things get to that level. The food industry globally brings in $8.7,000,000. So you add those two together and you're talking almost $12 trillion between what we wear and what we eat. So th this tells me that we worry a lot as a society about what we wear and what we eat. It tells me that we place a high value on those things, and to a certain extent, rightfully so. Right? N none of us is, is heading out the door in the morning not clothed. None of us uh, is going probably days at a time without eating. Right? Most of us are getting our, our three squares a day. Uh, some of us maybe five squares a day if you're like me. Um, We've we got to pay attention to these things, right? But Jesus tells us in this passage that our life consists of more than food and our body consists of more than clothes. And, and I'm just thinking about, like, as I'm reading this passage this week, this week I'm, I'm realizing, like, when I wake up in the morning, one of my first thoughts is, like, is there a banana in the kitchen? Or, you know, something like I'm worried about, like, I need to get something in the belly. And not long after, I think, oh, well, like, what am I going to wear today? 
you might be one of these people that thinks about it the night before, like what are you going to wear tomorrow, and maybe maybe you set your clothes out. I'm not quite like that, um, but like those are those are kind of waking thoughts. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear today? Right? I, I put a lot of thought on like I don't want to look like a dork, and so I put a little bit of thought into you know that like we don't just throw clothes on you know willy nilly without putting some thought into it. And, and I don't think Jesus is necessarily condemning that um, you know uh, that idea entirely, but he's reminding us that there are more important things than what we eat and what we wear. And, and I don't think he's saying that what we eat and what we wear are unimportant, right? Th- those are important things, but there are things that are more important. And so, therefore, in other words, in light of this call to store up treasures in heaven, this, this call to aim your heart at eternity, not at what's temporal, he says, in light of that, Jesus says in Matthew six twenty five, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on because he says life is more than food and the body is more than clothing as much as we need food as much as we need clothing like we we wouldn't survive right you can't you can't go that long without food before your body starts to to wither away and turns in on itself right with without clothing we we might succumb to the elements in our in our harsh winters around like we have to have those things but as much as we need those things, there's something that we need more. There's something greater than food. There's something greater than clothing that Jesus is reminding us of here. And he gives us a couple of examples. He says in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour his span of life. And so Jesus calls our attention uh, to the birds. They, they don't build multi-story nests. I've never seen a multi-story bird nest. I, I've never seen a bird nest that's three or four bedrooms and living at like, not, not condemning building houses, but, but you get my point. Like the birds, like they have a nest and they have a simple nest. And they, they don't have storehouses where they, they can store up whatever it is that they eat. They don't have giant nests so all of their eggs can spread out and have their own elbow space. They, they just simply do their thing day in and day out and, and fly around and do whatever birds do and they eat when they're hungry. Uh, they take care of their young and at some point they kick their young out of the nest and then they're, they're, they do their thing as well. And, and God somehow, somehow takes care of the birds when they probably don't give any thought to tomorrow. I don't know the mind of a bird, but they're, they're probably not thinking, okay, I need to store up so I can have food for tomorrow. And he takes care of them. And then he tells us that in and of itself, worrying about anything doesn't, doesn't really accomplish much at all. And again, I realize that it's easy for me to stand up here and say, hey, don't worry about your life. It's another thing entirely to not worry about your life. <laughs> right? We're invested in our life, and because we're invested in our life and in our jobs and in our houses and in our cars and these kinds of things, um, you know, there's a lot to worry about in this life. But Jesus is reminding us here, all this worry that you put into tomorrow, all this worry that you put into the life that you're trying to build, at the end of the day, it's not going to change anything. It doesn't add a single hour to the span of your life to worry about it. As, as a matter of fact, I bet, I bet if we polled a bunch of doctors, they might say that worrying actually takes away from your life. If you worry enough, it probably takes away from your span of life. 
Charles Spurgeon had a quote pop up in my feed this week, and Charles Spurgeon says that whenever you and I begin to try and manage God's kingdom for him, we find the divine scepter too heavy for our little hands to hold. And I've talked about this before. I'm, I'm pretty good at trying to take the management role of God's kingdom from him. <laughs> I'm pretty good at, at trying to, to man. Like I got some good ideas for God about how to manage the kingdom. But at the end of the day, according to Spurgeon, it's, it's more than we can bear. It's more than we're meant to bear. We're, we're not meant to take the management role of God's kingdom away from him. And, and so often we try to do that, and that, that causes our worry because we're trying to manage things that at the end of the day are beyond our control. Again, the, the scepter, according to Spurgeon, is too heavy for our little hands to bear. Jesus gives a second example here in his call to not be anxious. In verse 29, um, he says, it was, Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And what I love about this example here is that he calls out us of little faith. And he doesn't say, because you have little faith, God's not going to take care of you. He's reminding us of little faith that, that God's provision for us is not predicated on our level of faith. He's reminding us that God takes care of those of little faith, which I love that. And he calls our attention to the example of the flowers of the field. Have you ever gone out into the forest around here and seen wildflowers on a hillside? Right? Is there anything more pretty than just a hillside full of wildflowers? It's like you don't even want to pick them because you don't want to mess the beauty that's there. And according to Jesus, they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And God does that. The flowers don't have to work for their existence. They just simply exist because God says, I'm going to put you here, and you're going to grow, and you're going to flourish here. And they don't do anything. And if God does that to something like a wildflower that's here today and gone tomorrow, what, what more will he do for those that belong to him? If God takes care of the birds and they don't have lavish places to live or things like that if he makes sure that they get their sustenance from day in to day out how, how much more valuable are we as human beings than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field and so why are we anxious about our clothing once we consider the flowers of the field Jesus reminds again those of little faith that God will take care of his children. Our level of faith does not correlate with God's level of provision. And I think oftentimes when, when things aren't going our way in life, we tend to think like, where have I blown it? Is God punishing me because things aren't going the way that I want them to go? And I don't think that's the way that God necessarily works. None of us have a perfect faith. None of us have a faith that functions at 100% all of the time. Maybe none of us have a faith that ever functions at 100%. We, we have a faith that, like, may, maybe we're lucky if it functions at 10%. I, I don't know, I'm just throwing out some random numbers. But, like, our faith, it falters. Our faith wavers. 
Our faith comes and goes from moment to moment, from one circumstance to the next. And thankfully, thankfully God doesn't look down from His throne in heaven and say, okay, your faith's faltering, I'm not going to help you right now. He doesn't look at us and say, oh, you've got really good faith right now, so I'm going to do all these things for you. That's not the God that we serve. We serve a God that looks at us and says, like, your faith is kind of messed up, but I love you anyway, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to take care of you anyway, no matter what. And so Jesus, in calling us not to be anxious, it's tied to what we treasure. It's tied to the direction that our heart is aimed. It's tied to our heart being aimed towards what's temporal or our heart being aimed towards what's eternal. And when our heart is aimed towards the temporal, the things that are going to fade, the things that are going to pass away, the things that we feel like we have the need to maintain, that's when anxiousness sets in. And I'm not talking about, like, it's probably worth making a distinction. Like, I realize there's a medical there's a medical condition of anxiousness, right, that, that, that maybe has to do with, you know, more things than just having our hearts aimed in the wrong place. But even that, God is even bigger than that. God is bigger than, you know, those that have the medical condition of just being anxious and whether that's a chemical imbalance or, you know, I don't understand the science of all of that. But God is bigger than that, right? God can calm our anxiousness. And so when we're overly worried about things like, what we're going to eat, and what we're going to wear. When we, when we feel the need that, that we have to work so hard just to make sure that we've got enough for tomorrow, that's when it becomes problematic. Remember a few verses back when, when Jesus was talking to us about prayer. He told us to pray and ask that, that God would give us this day our daily bread. Right? Jesus didn't tell us to pray that, that we would ask God to give us today's bread and tomorrow's bread and next week's bread and next month's bread when he was teaching us to pray so that we ought to pray for today right? give us this day our daily bread the more that we amass in this life the more pressure there is to maintain what we amass and, and again I don't, I, don't, I don't think Jesus is saying here that we should never give tomorrow a thought I don't think he's saying that at all I don't think that he's saying that it's bad to think down the road and plan. I don't think that he's condemning, you know, having some savings in the bank for a rainy day. I don't think he's condemning those things outright. But when those are the things that our heart is aimed at, when that's where our heart is, when that's what we truly treasure in this life, that's when it becomes a problem. And so in light of this call to store up treasures in heaven in light of this call to not be anxious. In verse 31, Jesus says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So this is where we kind of circle back to the question, do we really believe our theology? You, you might be up to this point thinking, okay, I'm, I'm tracking with you. I understand what Jesus is saying here. But at the end of the day, 
do we really believe this to be true? Do we really believe that, that God has our interests in mind, that the God of the universe, the God that has created all things, the God that controls all things, that knows all things, that sees all things, that hears all things, that is everywhere all of the time, do we believe that he's mindful of us? And not only is he mindful of us, but, but he knows. He knows what we need, when we need it, before we even ask him. That's kind of an incredible thing that, that God knows. And, and so, if you're like me, that kind of begs the question, well, if God knows what I need before, even before I know I need it, but certainly before I ask Him, do, do I even need to pray? Well, the answer is yes, we do. We, we need to commune with God, right? God, God has designed it so that we would commune with Him. But He knows what we need before we even ask. And so what we're told here by Jesus is that we ought not to overly fixate on the temporal things. Even such basic things like food and clothing, things that without them we would not survive. As much as we need those things, there's something that we need greater. And this is where Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. As much as we need food, as much as we need clothing, the basic things in life, what we need more is for our hearts to be fixated on the kingdom of God, that we would treasure God above even the most basic things of life, like food and clothing. And when we do that, Jesus says that all of these things will be added to you. Now, what this doesn't mean is that if we're seeking God the right way, that we'll get everything we want in life. Right? This, this is not a prosperity message that Jesus is throwing out here. Jesus is not saying in this that that if we seek God, that that leads to living our best life now. That's not what Jesus is saying here at all. I think what Jesus might be saying here is there's something that happens when we seek God above everything else, that it changes our perspective. The story I shared with you, that, that moment, like my perspective changed. As I'm reading something, thinking it was for somebody else, but really it was for me in that moment. God adjusted my perspective in a way that I didn't even know my perspective needed to be changed. I think Jesus might, might be talking about something like that here. But when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, yes, God is going to take care of His children. God, God is our provider, no question about it. But when we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, it does something to our perspective that makes us think about things differently than when we're not seeking God and when we're not seeking His kingdom. The more seeking God and, and His kingdom, it's not that there aren't any troubles for tomorrow, and again, the, the, I don't think Jesus is saying that we should never give tomorrow a thought or that we shouldn't plan ahead, but we can walk in this freedom as Christians to know that because God has taken care of me today, He's going to take care of me tomorrow too. And so I don't have to sit here today and stress and fret about what tomorrow is going to bring. Jesus tells us, like, there's enough trouble that's coming with tomorrow. And again, that kind of blows a prosperity message out, out of the water. There will be trouble tomorrow. There will be trouble next week, next month, right? We're not immune to those things as Christians. But don't fixate on those things. Don't fixate on those things. Fixate on the thing that matters. Fixate on who God is and what God has done for your life and fixate on the fact that, that Christ died on the cross for your sins. Fixate on the fact that He took all of your sin and ugliness and, and what was bad about you 
and that he took those things to the cross and in exchange for those that come to him in faith and repentance he said here's my righteousness it's yours fixate on that when we fixate on that tomorrow isn't so scary it's not quite as scary as when we're fixated on the temporal things and so I'll ask again do we really believe our theology I think every one of us might acknowledge that yes God provides for us and it's easy to acknowledge that when you go home to a pantry or a refrigerator that's full it's easy to think that when when you drive a vehicle home that you're not worried that it's going to make it it's easy to acknowledge that when you can go to work tomorrow and you know that you have a paycheck coming not quite as easy to acknowledge those things when some of those other things are in flux when the pantry's not full when the car's not working the way you want it to when, when you don't have job security this is where the rubber meets the road in this question do we really believe our theology do we believe it when times are tight and when times are difficult and when things aren't going our way do we believe our theology to be true and i would submit to you like that that's the time when we need to hold on to it and believe it more than when things are going our way Tomorrow's going to come, right? We're, tomorrow's going to bring its own troubles. But you know what? Jesus is saying, Let, let's handle that tomorrow. Let, let's, let's, let's think about today, today. Let's trust God for provision for today. And then when we get to tomorrow, let's trust God over again tomorrow. <laughs> and we'll worry about that when it gets here. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm a planner and I'm one to think down the road and I, and I don't think Jesus is condemning that at all but we can get to a point where tomorrow becomes more important than today and the troubles and the worries of tomorrow can become more important than today and I think this is what Jesus is addressing here it reminds me of a song that you might be familiar with the lyrics go like this oh soul are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. His word shall not fail you. He promised, believe Him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying His perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Do you believe your theology? Do you believe your theology that says God is our provider? Do you believe our theology that God already knows what's going to come tomorrow and next week and next month and next year? Do you believe as a child of God that, that He has a plan that's unfolding? Do you believe as a child of God that, that He can redeem even the worst things that might come today or tomorrow or next week or next month or next year? Even if the worst case scenario is true, 
God has a way of redeeming the worst things. Right? Craig alluded to it earlier, Romans 8.28, that says that if you love God and if you're called according to his purpose, that all things will work together for your good. All things. Even the bad things can work together for your good because God redeems. Because God is sovereign over all, because he knows all, because he sees all, because he hears all, because he is everywhere all of the time. Because there's nothing that gets by him. There's never a moment where he scratches his head and thinks, how did that happen? He, He knows all. He's over all. Jesus is reminding us to look to him. Look to him to aim our hearts towards heaven, to aim our hearts towards what's eternal and get our eyes off of the temporal. I hope that makes sense. Not saying that the temporal is unimportant or unuseful, but, but it's a lousy thing to treasure because eventually what's temporal is going to go away. But, but God remains. Right? The Bible tells us that, that He is eternal and that there's going to come a time when we will spend eternity worshiping our Creator with all of the saints of all, all who've lived through all, throughout all of history and all of time in a place where there is no tears, there's no mourning, there's no weeping, in a place where we'll have everything we need for our good and for His glory and that He will sustain us throughout all of eternity. What an incredible truth that is. And so my prayer for us today is that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, that we would look full at his wonderful face, and that as we do those things, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, we're thankful this morning that um, such words were written. We're thankful uh, that you've given us your word, thankful that, um, that you know the things that we don't even know, you know our needs before we even utter them, that you care enough for us to be mindful of those needs. We're thankful that you provide for us. We're thankful that you love us. We're thankful that you give us faith to understand these things. And so I would pray today, God, that you would help our perspective to change, that you would help us to worry less about what's in front of us, that you would help us to focus more on uh, you and your word and what you've done for us, the things that we know to be true, that you would help us uh, to believe, the things that we say that we believe, that you would help us, uh, especially in the times of difficulty, that we would hold tight to our theology, that you would help us to believe, that you would give us faith uh, when it's weak, that you would sustain us when, when we're not strong, and that you would help us uh, to value the things more so that are eternal than those that are temporal, that you would help us uh, to have a right perspective Uh, on the two. And so God, help us um, to store up treasures in heaven. Help us to invest in eternity. Help us to know what that looks like uh, in our lives. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.